2001 was a significant year, not only in American history, but in Mississippi's history as well. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I would. It was good and bad that happened. 9-11 in 2001, America was forever changed. This, Justin, you were looking at a, obviously a very disturbing live shot there. That is the World Trade Center, and we have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center. The CNN Center right now is just... NASA launched the Genesis space probe. Timothy McVeigh was executed for the Oklahoma City bombing. This morning, the United States of America carried out the severest sentence for the gravest of crimes. A gallon of gas was 146. Governor Musgrove proclaimed Freedom Riders Day. And Mississippi voted to keep the Confederate flag on our state's flag. Governor Ronnie Musgrove appointed a group to redesign the flag as an alternative to the current flag and put it before voters. Exactly, I was getting to that. April 17, 2001, a special election was held that gave Mississippi voters the option to keep the Confederate flag or select a new flag in a decision that would now become known here as the flag referendum. And given that this podcast exists at all, it's obvious which design won out. But for me, it's not surprising that Mississippi did not choose the latter. Disappointing, but not shocking. The debate always seems to gain momentum, hit roadblocks, stalls for a period, and then resurface. Despite the outcome of the referendum, many still agree that we need a new flag, especially when there are hate groups and white supremacists using it to justify their warped and twisted ideologies, both in the past and now in the present. That's one of the reasons I found the outcome in 2001 disheartening. People just don't seem to care about the negative emotions our flag produces, or the stigma clinging to our state. The main component of a state flag should be inclusivity. And as we've seen, our flag fails massively in that right. It's widely believed by parties on both sides that political powers that be wanted to just absolve themselves of any responsibility. So they put it to a vote instead of simply changing it themselves. The win was a jarring reminder that some of us are rigorously holding to the days of old with little regard to the implications. And where's the future in that? I'm glad you asked. To see the future of the next flag debate, we must reflect on the past, but not live there. We have to recognize what went wrong, what went right, and try putting ourselves in the shoes of those on the other side, and vice versa. So we can have a balanced understanding of what it will take for our flag to reflect all Mississippians, or maybe realize why it doesn't. I'm Bo York. I'm Shalise Hall, and this is Red Flag. So, Bo, we got our hands on two key representatives on the 2001 flag debate whose views could not be more opposing. I can't wait to dive into their roles and discuss. That's right. I spoke with Leslie McLemore II, a fellow Mississippian that currently lives in D.C. and works for Deloitte. You know, it's that huge consulting firm based in New York. He graduated from JSU, got his law degree in North Carolina, and has an advanced law degree from American University in D.C., where he's been ever since. He's also the son of Dr. Leslie McLemore Sr., the civil rights activist, city councilman, former interim mayor of Jackson. He worked with the NAACP, SNCC, and I believe he even used to teach political science at Jackson State. The we love. That's right. In 2001, Dr. McLemore was deeply involved in the campaign to change the Mississippi flag. And while his father was a key player, at the time, Leslie was just 15 years old, attending St. Joseph Catholic School in Madison, Mississippi. And honestly, he wasn't that moved by the flag debate. What I remember at the time was that, what's the big deal? You know, it's kind of weird, right? 
at the time, I remember thinking to myself, I mean, man, what's the big deal in getting this flag? Like, I'm not thinking about it on a daily basis. It hasn't affected my life, you know, so the change sounds good, but, you know, it wasn't at the top of my mind. You know, I think his thought process at the time reflects that of a lot of teens and young adults. I mean, why feel compelled to change anything if it doesn't appear to have any tangible impact on our lives? True, but there are certainly other influences at play beyond the generational gap. For example, the McLemores were residents of Jackson, which is predominantly black, and later moved to Madison, which, well, is not. With that in mind, I asked Leslie if attending a majority white school like St. Joe was an influence on his feelings towards the flag issue. Yeah, sure, it was. Um, You know, it was a majority white school. St. Joe was, you know, it does have its liberal uh, um, leanings, but it also has conservative leanings. And so the flag wasn't really discussed, you know, like it wasn't talked about unless you had a you had a particular teacher um, at the time. They might discuss it or they might talk about the importance of it. Like it just didn't resonate. And and if I remember correctly, you know, this is before I was even of voting age. But even people who were voting age, 18, 19, who I knew at the time, they weren't interested in it either. And I recall my father, who was obviously heavily involved in that campaign, him sort of being pessimistic about the idea of voters voting to get rid of the the flag. I imagine that for someone like Dr. McLemore, who was in the trenches working to get the flag changed, he was aware of the energy and the atmosphere surrounding the issue, and it clearly wasn't voting favorably. His pessimism is validated, I think, with the outcome of the referendum. Exactly. But as Leslie points out, those pushing to change the flag may have made a fatal miscalculation by presenting an economic argument for what was ultimately an emotional issue. Specifically, their position was that business and corporate interests did not want to associate with our flag. As you can imagine, that approach didn't really resonate with young voters. So they didn't turn out to the polls. You know, like at the time, obviously that didn't resonate with people like me and with younger people. And that sort of showed in the voting group, you know, that a lot of younger people didn't vote, that there was a lack of energy. And I was just saying to myself, well, you know, maybe y'all should have approached it more in an emotional sense. Because it's an emotional issue and you can't frame it only as an economic issue because that's not going to energize voters. (laughs) That sort of doesn't make any sense to me, you know, when it comes to trying to get rid of something as divisive as as this flag. It has to be an emotional tie behind it as well. You know, maybe that's what, you know, like went wrong the first time around. I mean, like a lot of people don't know this, but Mississippi is very pro-business. I mean, as far as its law is concerned, it's a very pro-corporate state. And so that economic uh, argument is something that that does hold some weight. But I mean, when you look at something so divisive, you got to think about the emotional impact of it as well. And the numbers certainly speak for themselves. The current flag was made official, beating out the alternative design 64 to 35 percent. And Leslie is not alone in thinking that the business angle was a fairly weak argument. Right. It's probably the only thing that both sides can agree on. And speaking of which, there are probably fewer organizations more qualified to speak on the support of the current flag than the Sons of Confederate Veterans. Over the past week, the Confederate flag, Confederate symbols, and the reputation of our Confederate ancestors has come under attack. The Sons of Confederate Veterans is actively fending off our detractors. Contact your local, state, and national elected politicians and tell them that you will not tolerate these attacks on our heritage. We hear this group almost any time the flag is mentioned. Representing the Sons, we have Greg Stewart. He holds the title of Heritage Defense Chairman and was actively involved in the campaign in support of our current flag design. But first, a quick overview of who the Sons of Confederate Veterans are. 
we are the the inheritors of, of the the mantle that the United Confederate veterans uh, held, and and they met for years until they noticed that they were dying off. And so Brigadier General uh, Stephen D. Lee, who was the first president of uh, what is now Mississippi State University, gave us that charge uh, that we would uphold the good name of the Confederate soldier and defend his honor. And I'm proud to do that. For me, uh, it's quintessentially anti-Southern and, and just rude to demonize your ancestors or, or mine if they're not here to defend themselves. So um, that's what we we stand in the gap um, to, to make sure that the the true story is told. Greg also shared that in order to be a member, one has to be a descendant of a veteran and list the relationship specifically on the membership application. Okay, so back to the business angle as an argument to replace the flag. Both Leslie and Greg agreed that it was not the best strategy, right? Yeah, when discussing why Greg felt the push for the new flag failed, the economic appeal he felt was particularly weak. Which is comical because when when asked, name us one industry, name us one anything, name, give us the name of a taco stand that left Mississippi or, or did not come here because of the flag. And of course, there, there's not one. So they, they completely run out of, that was it. That was their, they had the business argument and the racism argument. After that, it was just uh, nothing. It sounds like Leslie and Greg both recognize that the economic appeal does not work, but the reasoning as to why is pretty different. Greg was asking for proof that companies are refusing to do business in Mississippi. But I somehow don't believe that proof would really move the needle forward for flag supporters. It's also worth noting that in 2015, four years after the flag referendum, a host of notable Mississippians from business leaders to celebrities, authors and athletes signed a letter calling to change the state flag. During that time, some of the same people pointed out that the flag hurts Mississippi businesses, universities and colleges ability to recruit. And I could be wrong here, but I don't think anyone is keeping stats on how many businesses or people refuse to come to Mississippi because of the flag. Although they should, if possible. It's not something that is necessarily asked and answered. I mean, where do you check that box? So it might be helpful if we try to establish a baseline here. Is it possible that we can all at least agree on what, in general, the intent of a flag should be? Design aside. Well, you may recall back in our first ever episode when we shared a clip of Judge Graves asking Governor Bryant's attorney, what is the purpose of the flag? The display, what is it supposed to represent? To which the lawyer replied, it means different things to different people. With that in mind, I asked Leslie a question that has been brought up a lot lately. What is the job of the state flag? The state flag's job is really representation of the state to outsiders, right? Because the the flag, it's each state's own personal identity. And so when your identity is wrapped around the Confederacy, you know, which is on its face such an asinine thing to, to to sort of hold on to in 2018 because not only it should be labeled by every definition of the word a terrorist a domestic terrorist but they lost and their cause around their act of treason was an asinine cause like slavery and so all this put together i mean the confederacy is is representation of of a losing <laughs> like this losing you know state I personally don't understand it. And I know a lot of people outside of the state of Mississippi don't understand why wrap your Southern heritage and your Southern pride around something that is just, I mean, like not only very divisive, but, you know, like it's just not even, you know, like they lost. And in contrast, what were Greg's thoughts on the flag? What would you say that the, the job of a state's flag is? To represent the state. 
pretty concise. So I asked to dive a bit deeper. I mean, in his mind and the mind of flag supporters, how does the current design with the Confederate iconography accomplish the goal of representing our state? For me, it is a flag that represents uh, everyone's history uh, or the history of Mississippians going forward. And if we want to change it, that's fine. But it's not going to be changed by demonizing my ancestors. That's what really set my jaw was that in order to go along with this, it was implicit that you agree that these people were monsters. I knew my great uncle, and he was a World War II veteran, and he was as as sweet a man as ever walked the earth, and all my other great uncles were too. And they they knew uh, their grandparents, and they weren't monsters, and they didn't report their grandparents as monsters. So, you know, it's uh, offensive uh, to talk about a, a past generation when they're not here to defend themselves. Wait, so Greg believes the state flag represents all of our history? I have to disagree right there. I mean, granted, it certainly reflects a piece of our history, but it's like we cut that piece from the worst part of the cake. Or a pie. Or what? Oh, you ever had a slice of pecan pie with a rotten nut in it? It's disgusting. (laughs) Whatever. The point is, it's not our only history. And to say that changing the state flag due to its racially divisive nature demonizes his ancestors, I mean, I'm a little confused. Does he deny slavery was a bad stain on our nation's history? I definitely feel an impasse coming here, but but let's take a step back. Like we said at the top of the show, in order to move forward, we have to put ourselves in the minds of those we may fundamentally disagree with. And so I wanted to kind of conduct a little experiment here. I asked Greg, as a flag supporter, to charitably give the strongest argument for changing the flag, what he would view as the opposition, and he obliged. Wow. You're asking me to be charitable with them. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I understand when people say that uh, the war between the states was fought over slavery, and certainly Mississippi seceded uh, for that that purpose and others, and it's, it's written in the Article of Secession. So slavery was not a good thing, but it's it's the reality. It's it's what really happened, and the war really happened, and uh, if you're uh, a black Mississippian, and you can pretty much bet that you're, you got here because your ancestors came here as slaves. First of all, you weren't a slave, and, and there are no slave masters left. But the other point is, you got here somehow. And instead of being ashamed of it or being mad about it, there's really a lot of pride in that. The same way the the uh, Israelites, you know, came out of Egypt. They, you know, they, they put it in their sacred books and they still talk about it and it was a you know a wonderful thing they, they escaped slavery so they came from somewhere they came from a difficult place i'm not interested in sweeping that under the rug right so and i don't think they are either but that's their strongest argument i, I think uh, certainly the business argument holds no water at all but yes I, you know i would concede that slavery was probably not the best way to get here but it did happen, and, I, and I don't, I'm not interested in, in whitewashing history and robbing black Mississippians of their own heritage. So I see the goal of this exercise is to put ourselves in the position of those who we would disagree with, right? But it's certainly not easy, especially when he's essentially saying that we should just get over slavery because we're not slaves, the slave masters no longer exist, and depending on who you talk to, be proud that we got here to America in the first place. Never mind that we didn't ask to be here, that we lost our culture, sense of identity, religion, belief systems, traditions, our family units, etc. 
And yet I'm supposed to empathize with Confederate descendants who feel that their ancestors are being demonized. Help me make that make sense. Yeah, it's, it's not a real cohesive position, but it is still his position. And in all fairness, I pose the same question to Leslie. How would he, as the son of a civil rights activist and a fervent supporter for a new flag, make the opposing argument for keeping the current design? Sure. Well, you know, if, if I were to play devil's advocate, I guess I would, I would make the argument that, um, that this, you know, you know, like that this flag does represent, um, does represent Mississippi's heritage and its history. And even though it's a, it's a divisive one, you know, it is still, it is still something that is unique to Mississippi. And so why not keep um, a piece of our old history if it doesn't, if it's not, if it doesn't hurt anyone? All it is is a symbol, you know, like it's a symbol that, yes, people may not agree with, but, you know, but who's to to say that any symbol is 100%, you know, like a unison or, or, or like, or it was 100% unified. And, and on top of that, it's something that, that really and truly highlights our, our, our true history in whatever light you want to put it. And, you know, and we embrace that history, both the positive and the negative aspects of it. Why not just keep a little piece of our history? Well, one thing is for sure. It sounds like both Leslie and Greg may have struggled a bit with making each other's argument. Yes, I'd imagine it's difficult to step into opposing sides of any issue that involves such an emotionally charged piece of one's identity, which is part of the challenge with changing the flag. Everyone is busy trying to get others to see their perspective. Some refuse, some get it, but are hesitant to go against something that has been so familiar to them since birth. It then becomes an endless discussion. Endless is right. Now, earlier we heard Greg's argument for the current flag, and I know after asking these guys to walk a mile in each other's shoes, you give Leslie the opportunity to state his case for changing it, right? Oh, of course. And Leslie acknowledged that there just are not too many different ways that someone can say that our flag is a symbol of racial hostility, separation, and loss. So his response is a common one. That history is something that is not only divisive, but but as I said, it was, you know, like it's a losing history where not only... Uh, does it represent something that is one of the most horrific times in American history, but it also is embraced by those who are racist, who who represent the Nazi party, for example. And so Nazism and Confederism sort of hold this marriage, it seems like, in 2018. And, and, and you see this rise in Nazism as they're able to sort of come out the, the quote-unquote woodworks, right? You know, I can come out of the shadows. And so this Confederate flag is embraced by racism. And you don't want to have that connection point with people who are racist and who and who only want to see one group of power, uh, like like one one group of people in power, which are, you know, white men, obviously. The flag represents that. The flag represents not only that, but it represents domestic terrorism. The flag represents slavery and the flag represents you know, a way of life that the only way you made your way of life was based on was based on free labor. And so all of that mixed in just provides just this toxic soup of representation. And you don't want people from the outside and from the inside to look at that and say, oh, well, this is what Mississippi represents. It represents 
racism that represents Nazism, something that you don't want. It's a position that's been deeply solidified in the attitudes of all of us who want to change the flag. But Bo, I'm curious, how does Greg or the Sons of Confederate Veterans feel about Confederate iconography being championed by white nationalists if supremacy is not part of their agenda? Uh, we, <laughs> this has been going on for 100 years. Um, we took them to court back in 1916, I may be wrong about the date, uh, to wrest control of specifically the battle flag. And the Supreme Court said, that is just like the Christian cross. There are too many people out there using it. You did not claim it long ago when you might have. So it's it's in the public domain. Sorry. So we can't do anything about it. To be clear, the Sons of Confederate Veterans explicitly reject any connection to hate groups using the flag and require any official member to denounce all association to the Klan and any other hate or white nationalist groups. It's on their website. But as you can imagine, the question comes up often especially given that they share a lot of common objectives with the KKK when it comes to keeping Confederate monuments up. TV 9 News at 6. Our state is home to a chapter of the Sons of Confederate Veterans. The Confederacy has come front and center lately as cities across the country work to remove Confederate statues. When you saw the images of what's happened in Charlottesville, Virginia, Nazi flags, Confederate flags, what do you and your colleagues in your group Think of this. Every time we see one of those racist hate groups displaying the Confederate battle flag, it sickens us. They also fly I think they could put a lot more effort into denouncing the association if they were truly concerned. I must admit that I found his response to be sort of a shoulder-shrugging cop-out. We tried and failed, so there you have it kind of thing. So let me make sure I got this right. They'll keep fighting to protect their Confederate heritage for as long as it takes. And if the flag is changed, I don't think they'll stop fighting to change it back. However, you haven't taken a hate group to court since 1916 just because you lost once? And I'm quite sure the judges and the laws and the climate have changed over a 100-plus year time span. But you don't want to fund a campaign or a lawsuit that will keep these hate groups from tarnishing your great-uncle's and great-grandfather's legacy? So getting back to 2001, though, Leslie strategized that the current flag was won because voters were simply not energized in contrast to flag supporters who view the vote as an attempt to take something away, specifically their heritage. And thus, the numbers reflected the same when the vote was won by 65%. So maybe we should all view this current flag as a threat to our heritage as Mississippians. This flag takes away my voice as a young black woman, creating a space for herself in a state whose flag waves like a hostile beacon. I can also agree it does not reflect my heritage growing up in Mississippi or the legacy I'm creating for my family as an entrepreneur. But it's going to take a lot more shoulder work for others to see Mississippi's potential or visualize a new era with a new flag. However, I think Leslie says it best. It's really moving into the right direction, contrary to what I think a lot of people say. But I think that if a lot of people were to uh, put enough money and enough support, you know, and donate just whatever you can to these groups who are willing to fight against white supremacy and and against this old time heritage in Mississippi, you know, like this would show and highlight that Mississippi is so much more, you know, like that Mississippi is sort of this new Southern, can be this new Southern renaissance, right? And I think that with enough of us talking about it, enough of us putting $50, $100 at a time, putting our money where our mouth is, you know, anything could happen. I mean, if you look at, you know, Mississippi, it, it has a very large Black um, voting population. It has a lot of 
uh, college educated people um, in the state. And I think that if we combine those powers, it'll make a better state. But I think that that there's hope. And, you know, as long as we keep hope alive, you know, we can do it. Yes, it can be done. But remember, there will always be opposition and we must always be prepared for it. We never get any play. You know, the media is hostile to us, so they, they don't come looking for us to, to get our opinion. The more they talk about changing the flag, the more uh, the media has to come and get some bounce back off of us. So eventually we'll get a voice, but any, at some point there'll be a, a flag versus flag referendum. That's the way it's going to go. And for us, we're perfectly positioned. It will be some odd date, just like they did in 2001. Uh, that's fine. We'll, we'll be at the precincts anyway, and we know that those people going to vote on that day are registered voters. And they'll also be very motivated. So we've got the uh, tables and the uh, banners and the tents ready. Uh, it's coming, and, and I'm not worried. Uh, I, I think I know exactly how this is going to turn out. And I think we can... I, with the war chest we've amassed and the, the way things have changed as far as uh, social media and the way uh, we're, we're going to communicate to voters we didn't get last time, we should exceed 65%. Welcome to Mississippi. Red Flag is produced by Pottery Studios and hosted by Bo York and Shalise Hall. Our music is by Clouds and Crayons, with additional music provided by Lokai and Tiffany. Album art by Tyler Tadlock. This episode was written by Rachel James Terry. Transcriptions by Daisy Stackpole. Special thanks to advising producers Roderick Red and Derek Russell. Be sure to see our show notes for additional credits and links to the stories referenced in this episode. If you want to learn more about how you can support the creation of this podcast, please visit redflagpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at redflagpod.